0: I'm Ryan from the Io Podcast, a show dedicated to dorky dads everywhere. Part of the Gona Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other dadalicious geeky shows at gonageeknetwork.com. Welcome
1: to episode 203 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we discuss
0: Waiting. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we geek out over the latest podcasting
1: gear. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we run down some great feedback that we had on our Discord server. Lauren, start
0: the show now. And when we get to the download, you'll get this reference. Zoom zoom.
2: Welcome to Better Podcasting, with a combined history of over a thousand episodes. And starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer.
0: Welcome to a new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say that SP is here again this week.
1: SP and SP's beard, apparently, if you're watching on the videos, on the YouTubes, or the videos, what do we call it? Is the videos to you? I don't know. I'm too old. Guys, it's great to be back here in the podcast studio. This is another great week where we talk podcasting for you, hobby podcasting, and we start off every episode with a either how I saved my podcast story or how I could have saved my podcast story. And this week, it is indeed a story. It's a how I could have saved my podcast story. Got it from Reddit a couple of weeks ago. It was in the podcasting subreddit, which is moderated by Bangs Naughty Bits, who's in the chat tonight. Thank you very much, Bangs. And the title is Sometimes You Need to Quit and That Might Be Just What You Need. And it was posted by Troy Giff. Spelled T-R-O-Y-J-I-F-F. It's a little bit of a long one, so bear with me. This is SP's Reading Chops here. Here we go. Quote, I ran a podcast from 2014 to 2015 with two co-hosts that were friends of mine. We actually weren't doing terrible on downloads, all things considered, but it felt abysmally low and we kept seeing each new episode get less hits than the last. To our credit, we had some really interesting guests on, and to this day, I am surprised at the kind of people we managed to land. However, we had no social media skill, no real structure to the show, and quite frankly, no right to be doing what we were doing. After a year of diminishing returns on an already small podcast, we called it and quit. I see people on here all the time who never quit. They keep going year after year while talking about getting downloads much smaller than my group was when we quit. I also see people on here encouraging them to quote, do what they love, unquote, and all that, if you start from nothing, it's hard to get going, and momentum isn't easy to build. I get all that, but let me tell all of you something, it's okay to quit. It really is. After we quit, my friends and I relaxed, we didn't feel the same pressure of deadlines, interviews, and all that, we relaxed and did other things and stayed friends. I moved away after a while chasing work, we were all happy, and our last few months weren't spent stressing over podcast deadlines. Back in very late 2017, I shared with one of the co-hosts an idea I had for a new show. He loved it. It took research, careful planning, and a lot of work. But the new idea was much fresher and original. And because of our previous failure, we were determined if we did this thing again, we'd be much more careful. And so we were. We wrote out long scripts, worked with volunteers, created a better social media presence, built our own website, and had nine episodes ready before our launch in May of 2019. A year and a half later, we also sought interviews as soon as the show was airing, hit up tons of people for endorsements in our niche, etc. We were serious this time and the results have been far better. And this is not meant to say, hey, look at me. We're doing so great. I really do not mean to do that. What I mean to say is if we had not quit the first time, we wouldn't have done this right the second time. And things are going so much better, which makes a lot more fun. We get the kind of hits in one day that used to be a good month. And we've only been at it for four months or so. If this is self-congratulatory, I really more mean it for to be encouraging. Failure is okay. Walt Disney's first business didn't last. So many authors' first book is rejected. Thomas Edison's first light bulb design was a bust. Some of you need to quit and recharge. Do something new. Go on a vacation or just join being friends. And who knows? Maybe the next time will be so much better. Or maybe it won't. Or maybe there's something else calling you up and you're so stuck on podcasting that you can't hear the phone. And I know some of you are just doing it for fun and that's fine, but it's possible that the podcast you're doing now is holding you back from something far greater if you just gave yourself a break and a chance to try it again. I was so sad to let go of that first show, but I learned so much from it and that failure really helped me get the grit not to fail again on round two. Some of you need to accept the first show didn't work out and it's time to walk away, unquote. Well, Stephen, I don't mean this to be disparaging because it really isn't. This is kind of a success story where they started a show and it just really didn't go the way they wanted it to go. They weren't listening to better podcasting, apparently, and then they <laughs> made a lot of mistakes. Right. And then they took some time off recharge because, you know, after you quit something like that, it does take a lot out of you. Every show that you've done, Stephen, has taken a lot out of you. Right. It's taken a lot out of me.
0: Absolutely. And I think that this is actually something that uh, ties perfectly into an episode we did a little while back where we're talking about short run episodes and some of the benefits. And one of the things we talked about was that you have an opportunity to really try things before maybe you go into the big long term plan that you have. And that's kind of what they did here was they did a run and they learned from their mistake and they came and they did things a little bit better. And so definitely starting with something that you're a little more comfortable to experiment with and maybe make mistakes and have other issues can be beneficial to do before you go and try to really make it your success story. Now, with that said, I will go and say right now that uh, a lot of times you just get tired and you get bored with the topic eventually. And that's really hard to do, which is another reason as well to maybe switch your podcast.
1: I would say collectively between the two of us, every podcast that we've done has gotten better. The, the ones that we've started after other ones have gone by the wayside. And I think if we started a new show today, that it would even be even better than what we have started already here with Better Podcasting, with Legends of Shield, with Gonna Geek, with all the shows that we have got going on right now. If our next show, just call it Show X, if we started a show, Show X, or I started to show Y and you started to show X or, or you know, whatever, those next shows would be better than what we got going on right now. And it's just the learning process and it's also the evolution of the industry. As the industry continues to evolve your ability to do things which you couldn't do before or as easily before now get easier as you go ahead. So with that, I do agree with this, but I also agree that persistence and consistency also builds your ability to make a better podcast. So the same podcast can improve just as much as taking a break, starting a new show and going from there. I don't really advocate starting a new show unless the topic that you're podcasting on, like you said, you're tired of, or you've run it to ground or you've thought of an even better topic that excites you even more or stuff like that. So yeah, all sorts of good stuff, but I guess this just gets into, it's okay if you want to quit or set Aside and do, do yourself and your audience a favor and take that break and then come back recharged and have a better go at it and really, you know, take all the advice that you've heard on better podcasting and make yourself a better show.
0: If you have a How I Save My Podcast story, make sure you send it to us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. You can come over to our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com discord or tweet us at betterpod, but make it fast. Because maybe SP and I will end this show and come back with even better podcasting.
1: In the past, we talked about how we're advocates for realizing that there's a point that your show is good enough rather than waiting for the perfection. And While we do believe it's best for your hobby podcast to operate with this mindset overall, the reality is that there are some situations where it could be beneficial to wait for your show to be closer to perfect before releasing. Today, we're going to talk about some of these situations, as well as some associated pros and cons of waiting.
0: Let's begin with some of the advantages to working with the idea of working to perfection in mind. The pros, if you will. First. When you're striving for perfection with your podcast, you're making sure that you're putting your personal best foot forward all the time. You only get one opportunity to make a good first impression, and you never know exactly what that potential listener's threshold is for continuing a podcast or dropping one. There are some listeners who will check out a show and disconnect right away if it's not meeting those expectations. For example, Some listeners are looking for a high level of quality, or some are looking for excellent, superb content quality, and some want to hear you speak authentically from your heart, not sounding scripted. When you are putting your best foot forward, striving for perfection, you know that you're doing your personal best to create a quality podcast that you see as a quality podcast. If you happen to find out that a listener has dropped, you know that you've done everything you could to try to appease that listener. This is an important consideration because if you're not doing your best, you might be wondering, well, would I have retained those listeners if I had tried? And regret can be a very hard thing for you to manage. It's hard to live with regret knowing that you could have done a little bit more to help make your podcast better. The second thing that we want to highlight right now is setting the bar high for yourself.
1: It can be very beneficial to set yourself goals. We've talked about it before. Whether it's for your personal development, the podcast development, or the development of the people you podcast with, setting goals helps you improve yourself and your show. When you strive for perfection, you make the goal of improvement even more challenging. When you don't strive for perfection, the odds are that there is always some low-hanging fruit that you can't address with some easy efforts that you just don't get to. However, striving for perfection means that you don't leave any low-hanging fruit, so your goals are harder to achieve and possibly even identify. The next thing that we're going to talk about in the pros column here is you could potentially limit your amount of not-good episodes. So in podcasting, there's a common saying, your first episodes suck. And the reason why people say this is because as you gain experience running your podcast, you find your groove and you're naturally improving things like flow, presentations, transitions, segues, etc. When you look back on your early episodes, most of the time you'll think they're bad. And this is because you're listening before you found your way with all these aforementioned things might not necessarily even be you as a podcaster it could be the show flow just like we did on the first few episodes of better podcasting took us a couple even though we were pretty seasoned already before we started took us a couple episodes to get in the flow
0: and it could even be your co-host like how i felt about oh wait sorry he's on this show never mind continue continue
1: (laughs) we'll have to talk about this later (laughs) steven If you work towards developing your show to a level that you feel is perfect before you launch your show, you're going to achieve some of the things before anyone ever hears it. It means that there will be less that you improve early on in your show. For example, let's say you were doing an interview show and you wanted to strive for perfection early on in your show. You could work with coaches, you could take lessons, and you could do some interviewing even for another broadcast or practice interviewing for months or years before launching until you felt you were ready to launch your show. This would save you from learning the basics of interviewing over the course of your podcast.
0: And this, of course, means that your first episode, you're going to have a lot more experience, and thus the presentation will be stronger than if you were learning as you went and developed your podcast. Another benefit to releasing your podcast to perfection is that you have the opportunity to really practice and figure out all of the small nuances of podcasting. When you're working towards releasing a podcast that's just perfect, you're likely going to find there's a lot that you leave behind as you edit the show or create the show. Sometimes, as you're recording your show, you might find there's a part that you need to say over and over just to get that delivery perfect. Or other times, you'll spend days editing, trying to take out every little um, ah, and little artifact from the recording. Other times, you'll find that you're going to have to perfectly match a recording days after you originally recorded your show, because as you're editing, you might hear a way that you delivered something and say, I could say that a little bit better to make a bigger impact, and so then you'll want to go and re-record that if you're striving for perfection. No matter what it is, all of these are examples on how you're going to get to know all the little nuances of podcasting if you are releasing to perfection.
1: So moving on to the con side of things with the waiting for introducing your show or publishing your show or publishing in episodes, there are downsides to this model. Let's start with the first one that many people are probably yelling at their podcast devices right now as they're listening to the show. It's very time consuming. If you take a look back through many of the points we highlighted of the pros, there's the common theme that there's a lot of time and possibly effort or both that will likely apply to many of the points. When you wait for perfection with the release of a show, there is a lot of extra tedious task and effort that goes into your show. It can be very tedious to get the episode just perfect before releasing. And sometimes you're re-recording lines over and over. Other times you're scrapping and re-recording entire episodes. Sometimes you're editing once, twice, three times the show over just to get it perfect. In any case, you're bound to put more time in your show than you need, objectively speaking here at Better Podcasting. One thing that is easily overlooked is the emotional aspect of it. And this is divided into two areas, exhaustion and deflation. Stephen, why don't you begin with the exhaustion?
0: Sure, it can be very exhausting to work with perfection in mind. This goes well beyond, though, the effort that we just mentioned. Because of the extreme effort that you're putting into your show, you're likely going to find that you're working nonstop, which heightens your chances of burnout. So You might be able to get used to all of the little effort and the, th- the nuances of that, but the fact that you're probably pushing yourself towards burnout can be a challenge when you are trying to strive for perfection, especially when you find yourself so fixated on trying to make your podcast perfect that you get your blinders on and maybe you realize that you're not even enjoying podcasting anymore. When you have that realization, that can be really trying for you. And sometimes you can't come back from that.
1: It's hard when you're burning the candles at both ends so long. The other emotional aspect of this can be much more deflating to post your podcast to the perfection level. When you are putting in 100% of your efforts into something, it can be very difficult to not see your podcast be received as you want. You have put all of your blood, sweat, and tears into the show. And when you face any resistance, it can be a big emotional punch. For example, if somebody says something negative about your show, it can be an especially hard pill to swallow when you know that you've put 100% into your show. After all, there's no low-hanging fruit for you to try to make the improvement on. It makes it a little bit more difficult to make corrections. It can also be as simple as just not getting the growth that you wanted. It's hard not having listeners check out your show, but it's even harder when you've done every little single thing to help make the show the best it can be. So it can be very demoralizing.
0: Another con is that you can become way too fixated on something which negatively impacts your show in other areas. For example, maybe you're thinking about starting a podcast, but you're like, I got to make this just perfect before I release it. So you try things, you do the methods that we've talked about doing a practice show. And then you're like, I don't like that. Let me try another practice show. So you get it just right, just perfect, to which you're ready to sit down and record your first episode. And you go, I'm not really that passionate about this topic anymore. So then you're like, okay, I got a new topic. Let's move on to that new topic. So you do the process again. Next thing you know, it's been months. or years since you first wanted to launch a podcast, and you're still making excuses for it. If you're waiting to launch with perfection in mind, you might never end up actually doing it. Alternatively, you might find yourself just trying to edit your podcast perfect, where you end up releasing it so rarely that you can't get any traction with your listenership. Maybe your uh, releases are irregular, or maybe there's just such a large gap in between, that people aren't sticking around. Again, another example how maybe you're too fixated on perfection that it's negatively impacting your show elsewise.
1: So in summary, there are situations where you want to strive for perfection. And there are situations where you should realize that it is good enough to release your episode or your show. You have to decide what's best for you and for your show. But we truly think that striving for perfection does more harm than good. We aren't saying that you should put out a bad show, but we are saying that trying to be perfect can sometimes cause you to halt progress with your show. Besides, there's an important question to ask. What is perfect?
2: This is the Better Podcasting Download.
0: So today I'm working away as I do in the day because I'm a hobby podcaster and I have a day job. I'm not one of those procasters. So wait a minute.
1: You you're working on a job that's not your podcast. Exactly, I know
0: it's crazy. If I really wanted to strive for perfection, I would quit my day job just to work on my hobby podcast, right?
1: I thought you were podcasting about podcasting and you were making a living at it.
0: No, that's not true. We literally say in the intro that we're hobby podcasters. We literally say that.
1: I should listen to that. Yeah, you probably should. Probably should.
0: But anyways, I'm working away, and what comes into my cell phone? It comes a message. From SP. Now I don't know what it was, what made me think I should look at that. Because usually, usually I I see a message from SP and I just throw my phone off and I just ignore it. That's usually the reaction. I I, I I do
1: notice you because I see you responding to other chats and you're not responding to me. So I know you're ignoring me.
0: Exactly. So for some reason, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna look at this message from Stargate Pioneer, and I'm glad that I did, because he told me that there was a new piece of gear out, and it came from the company we've mentioned a few different times, Zoom. So tell me all about this Zoom product that was just announced today on Wednesday, October 16th, 2019.
1: Yeah, Zoom announced the LiveTrack L8, which is the newest in their LiveTrack version. Steven's using a, a L12 in his studio setup. He's done a review of the L20. This is the L8, which is kind of a cross between The Zoom H6 with six total XLR inputs and the Zoom L12, which Stephen has used and reviewed extensively before. And the unfortunate part about it, which we heard from Bangs Naughty Bits, I'll give credit to Bangs Naughty Bits here because I did not look at the actual preamps. They're more of the variety of the Zoom H6 and not of the variety of the Zoom L12, which means they're a little bit weaker, which means they might not work great in the studio with all microphones. You might need to add a little extra preamp to them. Unlike the Rodecaster Pro, they don't have the oral exciter or anything like that. It is just a straight recorder, just like the L12 is, except for it's got the preamps of the H6. So here's what it does have. It has six XLR inputs. These are not like the four inputs that are on the Zoom H6. And then you add two with the capsule that you can't throw phantom power to these are a total of six out or inputs which are a combo xlr and the quarter inch jack it does have four separate headphones out which is great it is able to record both on the sd card and usb simultaneously i think it can only record four channels multi-track through the usb but i'll have to look into that It does come with 16 preloaded sounds. It does only have a six-point soundboard. You can use those 13 preloaded sounds, or you can add your own. You can record it directly to the device, or you can record it through an SD card. It does have the possibility of adding a TRRS cable, and that is the link through channel 7 and 8. You can save seven total scenes. And Steven can talk more about this extensively because he uses different scenes with the Zoom L12, but it's basically the setup of the board. You can set your board up, you can save it as a scene, and then you can go to another show and set up another scene. And then you can go back to the first scene when you're doing the first podcast. So you can go back and forth as much as you want with a total of seven scenes. This is the thing that I like. I like this over the RODECaster Pro. It is portable, just like the Zoom H6. You can power it through four AAA batteries. You can power it through like an external power pack uh, connected via USB, or there is an AC adapter. This is what another thing that it has over the RODECaster Pro is. Remember those four headphones out? It has three custom monitor mixes, which means you can do three mix minuses without having to jury rig anything up. And as Stephen can tell you, using the Rodecaster Pro, that is difficult to do, right, Stephen?
0: Absolutely. That's one of the things that I have a bit of a complaint about is there's no real way to do mix minuses uh, other than the few ways that they've built in, which is like, you know, if you want to have a phone or just USB or Bluetooth. You can't really go and have an analog mix minus on it uh, like the Zoom does. And that's really helpful if you have multiple different analog devices that you want to bring into the board and then mix minus out, which is what I do with my system having video and everything. Right now, I have independent uh, boxes set up so that I keep resources down and things like that. So I like the fact that they've done that. They've continued that. That's a big thing I've mentioned with the L12 is that multiple mixes you can have multiple mix minuses. And I like that they kept that on the L8.
1: It is capable of recording 12 tracks. I'm not completely sure what all of the 12 tracks are. Remember, it's got six inputs, the XLR combo jacks. It has channel seven and eight, which is the TRRS jack. I'm not completely sure what the other four channels are. We'll look into that later. And this is what I like over the Roadcaster Pro. The Roadcaster Pro, the last time I checked, MSRPs for $599. This, you're losing some capability that is on board the Rodecaster Pro. You're losing the AFIX processing. You're losing the actual touchscreen controls. The It's not huge, but it's a large touchscreen control panel, so you're losing that. But you are gaining a heck of a lot. You're gaining portability. You're gaining um, uh, the mix-minus capability. And that all MSRP's for $399, just $50 more than the Zoom H6. And if you do get the Zoom H6, you're not getting the possibility of using the extra two jacks unless you get that capsule for about another $100. So less than the Zoom H6 plus the EXH6 capsule, you can get six XLR recordings Steven, I think this is the device to compete for the hobbyists with the RODECaster Pro.
0: I totally agree. I think that this is really interesting to see. I actually didn't expect to see them make a, a lesser version than the L12. Last year, they made the L20. We talked about it on here. I gave my thoughts about the L20. And the to see them go lower than the L12, I didn't expect that. But... This makes a lot of sense, especially because they finally, I think, realized Zoom realized that there were podcasters wanting to use it. I've mentioned it before. We, I made a, a walkthrough video. I'll say we. Uh, you, it was a group effort. We made a, a walkthrough video on the Gunna Geek Gear YouTube channel, and it took off. I can't believe how many people have it. It's one of the highest view ones on YouTube walking through the Zoom L12. Well, one of the things that we see all the time... Is musicians comment on it. And they rightfully so, because they tailored it to with the musician in mind. But then us podcasters went, well, we can use it too. Then they made the L20, again, tailored towards musicians. Well, they have not gone that way with the L8. In fact, if you go to the L8 website, which we will put a link in the document, they specifically call out podcasters. And yeah, they did the thing where they got a quote famous podcaster they got Ming Chen from um, Smodcast. He's one of the comic book men, if you remember that show when it was on. and, and Yeah, we uh,
1: interviewed him on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., actually.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So if you remember him from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., where you remember him from, of course. Uh, so Ming Chen uh, is a big advocate on this year. But putting Ming Chen aside, sorry, Ming Chen. There's actually right at the top, right when you go to the page, they specifically divide it between musicians and podcasters. So they are recognizing that their L line has the potential for both. And I think the biggest indicator that they finally, finally realized the podcast market is the fact that they've put those six sounds into this. The L12, the L20 has no built in functions for playing back custom sounds or anything like that. And as we all know from when the Roadcaster Pro debuted, that was a big thing that a lot of podcasters like. and I think that it's it's definitely a good addition to this if you're wanting to use this for podcasting. The other thing that I want to highlight right here as well is the fact that this uh, L8 continues from what it indicates online. I haven't verified this, but from what it indicates online continues to offer the simultaneous recording to the SD card and output. To the usb of multi-track that the l12 and the l20 have had back when the rocaster pro came out a lot of people went hey it's too difficult to do that that's the reason that they only have you know things go in one direction you can't do that and there was all sorts of excuses and things like that well the l12 had been out for a long time very easily doing that so i'm glad to see they continued that because as you get into these inexpensive mixers A lot of times the companies have been stripping down that USB functionality, so it's nice to see they kept that with the L8.
1: So going back to the soundboard, the onboard soundboard, Stephen, how many sound cards does the Rodecaster Pro have?
0: It has two more than the L8. The L8 has six. The Rodecaster Pro has eight.
1: So for a couple of shows I do, I can get by with just the six cards, but... Most of my shows, I need more than I'm looking at the board for Legends of Shield right now. And I have, I don't know, it's like 20 or 24 or something like that, that I have populated. Do I use them all in every show? No, but I have them available if they come up and it makes it easier to prep for the show and just go. And I like that. So only having six available would be constraining. However, this is a very portable device. I'm betting just by seeing it on the video that it is a lot smaller than the Rodecaster Pro. Plus, you can use it with batteries, which is great. I was at Star Wars Celebration, and the people that I was with brought a Roadcaster Pro with them, and I was excited to actually see it in use. And the problem that they had was they had to go somewhere where they could plug it in. They couldn't just go to any empty room and just start recording because not all conference rooms have power outlets that are actually available for use, believe it or not. So it was an issue that they had to overcome. But with this, you could literally record anywhere. You could go into some storage room that has no outlets whatsoever and record. I mean, it is great. You could be out on the conference floor, like in the middle of Star Wars Celebration. You could plop that thing down on the floor. You could sit down and you could record right there. So that is great things that you could do with this that you can't necessarily do with the Rodecaster Pro just because it's bigger and it requires power. So this is just an example of the two. I know there's going to be a camp that is for the RODECaster Pro. There's going to be a camp that's for the Zoom LiveTrack L8, and there are differences between the two. Neither are perfect, but they both have uses. I
0: looked up the specs while you were talking there after you mentioned that. The RODECaster Pro, this is all millimeters because this is what the company specified in, is 350 millimeters long, by two hundred and seventy five millimeters wide by eighty two millimeters high, the l eight is two sixty eight millimeters wide, so shorter, two hundred and eighty two millimeters deep, so a little deeper and seventy four millimeters high, so a little less high. So it looks like it's it's a little bit smaller in general, smaller footprint than the Roadcaster pro,
1: okay. Well, if I was starting again today, this would probably be the device that I get. I mean, I I use a mixer in combination with the H6 right now, and I would keep most of my inputs. So I would need more inputs than the, the Zoom L8, but I didn't start out like that. If I was starting out again, I would definitely go with the L8 versus the RODECaster Pro, just on price alone. I'm talking 399 versus 599 that's a $200 MSRP difference. I have no idea about the sale prices of each unit, because the roadcaster Pro has been out for a year, they might see the competition, and it, this might actually cause them to lower the price for the roadcaster Pro. Which, if you're interested in it, could be a good thing, right? And we also know we interviewed a couple of companies earlier this year. We've already seen some new devices from Focusrite. We haven't seen anything like this, but we also have Mackie coming on. They they had the V3 version of their stuff that came out. I mean, I'm using a V2. Uh, Mixer, Mackie Mixer, right now, they came out with the V3. I think those companies are going to get a little bit more podcaster oriented. Now, remember, these companies need to make money, and the podcasting industry isn't exactly the same sales wise as the music industry. So you can't blame these companies for not having more podcast specific gear out there because, just from a profitability standard, music is still going to get them more money. However, If they're looking towards the future, they want to set themselves aside. They want to make more devices like the Rodecaster Pro and the LiveTrack L8.
0: One other thing that I want to mention right now, you touched on it, but I think it's worth mentioning, is that there is no touchscreen control. I think that this is potentially something that might be a make or break for some people because of the fact that the touchscreen almost made it a little more I'll say a little more future proof because it was a little bit more software based. We've seen mm. Roadcaster or we've seen Rode update the Rodecaster several times with some pretty big changes because so much of it banked on software. They kept kept the physical controls to a minimum. The L8 has continued to have the physical gain knobs and some other physical buttons which means that there's less software that can be changed. For example, if there was problems with the preamp um, gain settings, like for some reason they're like, well, the the way that we've got it set out of the box isn't very smart or smart, or it's causing problems. It's a physical control that cannot be adjusted, as opposed to when we saw some preamp issues in the past with the Rodecaster Pro. Rode said they enhanced the quality. They didn't say what they did, but it's just an example on how some things were a little more software control as well, just the general navigation and whatnot. Uh, with the the L8 here, it looks like we've got some sort of traditional mid, high and low EQ settings. Again, those those sort of physical knobs, which are digital. Those are digital, but they are physical knobs on there as opposed to the Roadcaster Pro where they basically didn't give you any control, which was a complaint for some. I need to acknowledge that. But for some, it was like, yeah, I don't need to worry about that. I push a button. How does my voice sound? Uh, what, you know, how do I deliver things? And they kind of made the magic happen. So I think it's worth considering that that is, I think, in my opinion, enough of a difference that there will be a fork in the road for some people. And some people like myself are going to go, I want the control. I'm not a person that wants you to dictate how I sound. I want the control. The zoom's more up my alley. There's other people who might go, I don't want the control. Make me sound good or make me sound like you think I sound good. And they'll go that way. So I think that there's enough of a difference that you might see a very clear divide come up as well. We'll see what happens with updatability and, you know, changes going forward. I'll say right now, in my experience, I've seen more updates come out of the Roadcaster Pro than I did the L12. And I've had the L12 for a couple of years. So worth acknowledging as well. I think updatability will be something that some people might gauge in any case. If I was somebody that was starting a podcast that was thinking about getting just an H6, but I knew I was going to be at home most of the time, I might go this way instead because it's a mixer built in with a recorder. And from what the research that Bangs Naughty Bits has mentioned to us, again, thanks, Bangs, for that. It looks like it's comparable preamps to the H6, so I would probably consider going with this instead. A lot more functionality, and if you ever want to do a little bit more, you've got that ability over the H6.
1: We started better podcasting just a few years ago. And when we started it, none of these devices were around. No Rodecaster Pro, no LiveTrack L12, L20, L8. We had more old school technology. Today, it's just another ball game. So if you're starting today, if you're gearing up today, if you're upgrading today, your options are so much better than they were just a few years ago. And take advantage of what you need. Make sure you list your requirements out and then make a decision what device you want to go with. And keep in mind each device's limitation.
2: This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback.
1: We had a listener approach us on our Discord server on the Better Podcasting channel at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. There's a Better Podcasting channel in there. It's actually the Gonna Geek Reddit or Gunna Geek Discord server. And a listener said that she was a little timid about promoting her own show on different social media, especially Reddit. And I reached out back to her because I had been active in Reddit for the last couple of years. And I responded with, As far as being scared of Reddit, don't be. It's actually a great resource of interested people. However, perhaps it would be easier for you to consider a self-promotion rule of thumb that I learned a long time ago, but was recently reminded of by producer Cody, who is on our network with his video gaming show, but he also hosts the Curiosity Daily Show. It's his full-time gig. So what he reminded me of, it's the 80-20 rule engage without promoting at least 80% of the time, and promote no more than 20% of the time. I can kind of bend that with Better Podcasting because my engagement can reference further info on an episode, but I've been trying to flat out engage more on social media while I'm there. So, Stephen, you've also experienced this as well.
0: Yeah, I was so glad that you mentioned this, and it's something that we probably should have mentioned a few times along the way here on Better Podcasting because Really, it's not hard for people to start in their mind deeming you as a spammer if you if you promote yourself too much. People don't like that in general. People will start to ignore your posts. And then there you go. You've gone and you've ruined it. And I think a great example of this was when Twitter was not super cracked down on and there was all sorts of podcasters, some of them pro podcasters, just go in and auto-posting spam all the time. And it was unbelievable how many people I personally knew that would just go and block those people or unfollow those people because they were, they were posting spam or posting links more than they were posting non-links. And so if you make sure that you are balancing that when you do post something that might be beneficial to yourself, maybe you'll actually have some eyes watching. It's kind of useless posting those links if nobody's reading them.
1: Yeah, and this... Question, by the way, was posted by Amanda from Up To Your Ears podcast. Her and her husband, Garrett, they just started the show. I've listened to the first three episodes. It's a very good podcast. So if you are interested in in the fundamentals of music, and by that, I I just don't mean like what's a half note, what's a quarter note, but like what makes music what it is. It's phenomenal. And you can find that at, at Up To Your Ears. It's the podcast name. But... This engagement role, I think, helped her phrase in her own mind what she is capable of doing in Reddit. And you should phrase what you are capable of doing it on Reddit as well. Reddit can be a negative place. I mean, we've both seen it, Stephen. But as long as you keep to that positive positive. Roll and don't promote the snot out of yourself. I think you'd, you'd be doing fine. So yes, that was in response to Amanda. We also had a great post, Stephen, from a TGM of 4883, and it was very technical. And I'm interested in your response here, so I'm going to read the question. So currently, I'm releasing as mono at minus 14 luffs. It's been suggested that minus 14 luffs should be for stereo and minus 19 luffs for mono internet audio. So two questions. One, does that sound right? Should I be using minus 19 luffs? And two, if that is right, should I switch to minus 19 luffs from minus 14 luffs between episodes or some other way, or just leave it since I'm at 16 episodes in at this point? I don't think I'm ever going to fully understand luffs. So my response to this one is simply unsimple.
0: And the reason I say that is because, honestly, you were going to find if you do research contrasting information all over the place. There are different standards that were made that people try to insert into podcasting. And even over the course of us doing this show, we have seen what people have deemed as acceptable podcasting standards evolve and change heavily. Originally, when we first started, I forget what it was, but it was at a level that SP and I both went, no, we're not doing that with our show because it's way too quiet. And then there was some pushback and some other suggestions and recommendations. So it became a little bit louder and more people started to recommend that. But the thing is, there is still no clear standard. And I say this because if you look at recommendations by some of the names out there of the directories, and I won't specifically say them, but if you go and you look at some of the technical specifications of these different directories, there's conflicting information between them as well. So At the end of the day, SP and I usually say somewhere around minus 14, minus 16 areas where we're kind of shooting for in general, but try to keep it consistent and don't be afraid, like my opinion, don't be afraid to make a hard switch if you're not happy with it. I would say if you are finding that it is quite a bit different than that, you might be a little bit out of the norm of everybody else. The best thing that I think that you can do is download some podcasts that you've heard from some different places, play them back to back, and then put yours in there. And if yours sounds quite a bit different than the average of the others, you're off base, in my opinion. So that's sort of my suggestion. But the thing to remember is that there is no clear standard. There's recommendations, but they are varying from company to company. SB, I know you're more specific on this, but for me personally, that's my take on it.
1: Actually, I was going to get really unspecific here, and I was going to take your suggestion and, and basically take it to another level. So you said, download your podcast and compare it to others. I Okay, you can do that. But more importantly, I would want to make sure I would be listenable in the most difficult environment it would be for me to listen to a podcast. So, Stephen, you've commented on before, I've commented on before, the most stringent, Audio environment for me to listen to a podcast would one of them anyway would probably be while I'm on the lawn. So, what I would want to do is I would want to take my podcast, put it on whatever device that I'm listening to podcasts on, just my normal device, not my studio gear, not my studio headphones, just normal headphones and normal iPod or my phone, my smartphone. I would take it out in the yard and I would go ahead and mow the lawn, uh, blow snow in the winter if you happen to be in the Northern climate or Southern, really Southern climate, and you you actually have snow where you have to shovel or blow or whatever. So anything that you're operating machinery, if you're on a noisy bus, a noisy subway, something like that. And if you can clearly hear your show in the most stringent of cases, then you're okay. Because you can always turn the volume down. You cannot turn the volume up. There are some podcasts that I listen to. As a matter of fact, I've approached these podcasters Usually I say, are, are you open for some advice? Cause if you're not, I'm not, I'm not going to you know, bother you with it, but if you're open to some advice, I would like to listen to your show. And this would make my enjoyment of your show better is to pump up that just standard volume, get that normalization up so I can listen to your podcast in the most stringent environment. I don't think this is something that all podcasters take into consideration because they can hear it in their nice quiet studios, but they can't or library or wherever they're editing their show. Right. And they just they don't think about these noisy environments. So that's what I would say. As long as you can hear it out there, you're good.
0: The other thing to remember as well is a lot of people will go and they'll run something on their entire episode and see what their average, what their overall luffs rating is. Now, you gotta remember that it's taking a file and it's giving you a number, spitting you out a number. That doesn't mean you're consistently at that. So if you have a couple different people on your show. You might want to keep this in mind and look for some plugins and things like that where you can run this and do spot checks on your show. An example of this would be if we went and we like, I put SP and I at the exact same levels, not considering loose. If we were at the exact same level within the show, he has a deeper voice than I. If I go and I pull individually his amount of luffs, it's going to be a perceived louder. at a perceived louder volume than I will be because he has that big, deep voice. So in turn, I kind of have to go and adjust me to be a little bit louder than him to make the perceived loudness average so that the average on the entire file matches up. Otherwise, I'm going to be dragging him down because I got this pre-puberty voice here. So definitely keep that in mind. Just because you get a number for your overall show doesn't mean that your perceived loudness is consistent.
1: I'm going to play Me Too here. I'm going to play the Me Too card here. And I know you do this on to Geek, but for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., I often edit four tracks and all four tracks are at different luffs because Lauren speaks at a different volume than Haley, speaks at a different volume than Michelle, and they all speak at a different volume than me. So I have to individually adjust each track as I go in to make sure we're consistent in our sound when the final version is out there. So... It could be one person with interviews. It could be two people like we are, Stephen, or it could be eight people playing a, a game, a tabletop game. You have to make sure that each speaker is equal to the other speakers and you have to vote for it with your ears. You can't necessarily just go with what you see in the digitals.
0: So there you go. There's your highly complicated answer, because honestly, this is just a complete you know what in the world of podcasting. It's just the way that it is. If you have a question for us or you want to get in touch with us in between shows, you can go ahead and email us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Come over to our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord or tweet us at BetterPod. We would love to hear from you and get other questions like this that we can answer. I really appreciated that question because this is something we've talked about on the show before, but it's been a very long time. And it continues to be the same answer every single time because it's not so crazy, so crazy. And I'm happy to keep coming back to it. SP, you do another show that you mentioned called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, but there's another one that you also do, which is really back in action with its source material. What is that one?
1: Yeah, I'm actually really excited about this because the final season of Arrow is on and we Podcast on the show Arrow and have for the last seven years on the Starling Tribune. This is the last 10 episodes plus the Crisis uh, crossover, which is in December and January this year. So the last 10 episodes of Arrow plus the crossover. We'll probably continue the show a little bit further to get uh, Legends of Tomorrow, which is also a show that we've done every single episode on in the offseason. But uh, yeah, this is it. Arrow in the last season just started last night as we're recording this. And I will podcast about it tomorrow night. So I'm really excited to podcast about the last season of Arrow.
0: If you want to go ahead and follow SP, he's at Stargate Pioneer on Twitter. He's always tweeting when he's streaming, so you can always come and follow him when he is. He's usually also found on the official geek.com show, which is a weekly geek podcast. If you check us out live on Mondays, where we have a chat room like we do for this show, that's Mondays at 8 45 p.m. Eastern time, we'd love to see you there. But just come over to this chat room here on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern because we have all sorts of fun and antics in the chat rooms when we record, including tonight. There is a whole series of new products that we have brainstormed in the chat for Road to make that make the naming even more confusing as well. A few interesting ones, one from Jason Bryant with the Zoom line. So go ahead and uh, you don't get that reference unless you were in the chat. And that's the sort of stuff you're missing out on by not coming by live. For episode number 203 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying thanks for checking out another show. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure you send all of your love to SP at Stargate Pioneer on Twitter.
1: And I'm SP saying, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Let us know if you have any questions. See
0: ya. RODECaster Pro out. Or is it the Road Procaster? I'm
2: confused. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, Please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.
0: you're likely going to find there's a lot that you leave behind as you edit the show or create the show. Sometimes, as you're editing, you're going to re-record part of your show multiple times. Oh, let me say that again. One sec. Sometimes, as you're recording, you're going to need to re-record a line over... Oh, the irony there. (laughs) That's the irony there. (laughs) I didn't catch that. Uh, (laughs) This
2: is what the live audience sees. (laughs)